And we're live. We're back, baby. Logan Steele. Austin Cavalier. Special guest, Randall Cavalier. Welcome back, boys. Welcome to the podcast, Randall. Thank you. Glad you're here. I am glad to be here. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. It's your fir- first podcast, I would assume. Yeah, first one I've done and first one I've ever been any part of. I've never listened to one. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's wonderful. So what do we think, boys? What are we getting into today? We're going to start with introductions. Yep. Uh, my name is Austin Cavalier. Uh, by day, I sell medical devices. By night, I'm a dirty golf cart mechanic. Love it. I am Logan Steele. Uh, glass extraordinaire. Christmas light mediocre owner and uh, build some houses. And I am Randall Cavalier. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist um, and father of Austin. So that's why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. One of the reasons we wanted to bring dad on today was um, some would call a uh, amateur comedian. a lot of stories that dad has told over the years that we really wanted to get on on a podcast um in residency was was the whole story that nurses tried to convince you to go to open mic nights was this the, the whole story well it, it's happened in the past yeah I, mean, <laughs> um, I started out in medicine after medical school as a pediatric resident so i did a three-year pediatric residency at warshu in st louis um, and it was frequent during that time I, that um, I always had an appreciation for humor. It was kind of helpful in stressful situations. <laughs> so, you know, I always tried to find something to get a smile or make someone laugh to lessen the pressure. So, And then, yes, uh, many times over the years they would say, you know, you ought to do the comedy club or something. <laughs> I never did because I was too busy. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, can we talk a little bit? Um, I'd like to get the background story of you, just so kind of everybody that's listening can understand that. Yep. Can we talk about what got you into psychiatry, what the, the road to that was? Well, I don't know how far back you want to go, but probably... Um, well, so, give, give give your whole background where you started the, I think the that's, Navy. That's I mean, perfect. Just everything, yeah. Okay, well, in eighth grade... <laughs> All the way back. Yeah. It's perfect. In eighth grade, um, I had this great science teacher. I always wondered what happened to her. She's probably 90s or more or past, but her name is Mrs. Ozias. And she was an incredibly good-looking woman that had a yellow sob. And I thought, you know, i got to do well in this class. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed her science class. And, and really, since about eighth grade is when I wanted to be a physician, I wanted that for all the right reasons, of course, because uh, in small town Iowa where I grew up, there was a family doc, one in town, and uh, he had a really nice house and a yellow 65 Mustang, and I and everybody loved him, and I thought, you know, that's what I want to do, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> so uh, I didn't end up in family medicine, but that's when I really started thinking about it. And then 
um, after high school, went to college uh, to do pre-med. That would have been in 71. Um, of course, had a college deferment because Vietnam was going. Um, and then committed the most idiotic act of my life. You know, I think it's a perfect example where you can be intelligent and do stupid things. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I think it was uh, Ben Franklin who had a quote that said something like, we all start out ignorant. It takes real effort to end up stupid. <laughs> you know? So I'm obviously not an ignorant individual, but uh, did a really stupid thing. I uh, proceeded to not go to class or study. Right. <laughs> so then, you Easy know. Easy to do. In yeah. Oh, yeah. So then about the start of the second year, the school says, well, you know, you're on academic probation. And I go, I am? <laughs> and uh, they said, yeah, you have a 1.7 GPA, <laughs> you know, pre-med. <laughs> so they said, you have a quarter to get your grades up or we're going to kick you out. And I said, well, I don't think you understand. My lottery number for the draft was 42 for Vietnam. Usually that meant drafted by February, you know. So sorry to interrupt you, but when you say deferment, that meant your grades had to be. No, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're in college during the draft, you got a draft deferment. If you're in college or uh, even like professional sport, like a, uh, are if you had a reason not to go to war. It's a, it's, a, it's a way to not get drafted, right? Correct. Well, and that wasn't my intent. But, right. Um, if, if, you're, if you have a reason to not give yourself if you're a functioning member well not even that i mean academia yeah if you're if you're bettering yourself in another way versus joining do you remember what the the ferment was like what the gpa line well i think it was passing you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, which i wasn't right yeah right. so i don't th i think we could debate if it was right. 2.8 or right. 3 but you weren't you weren't there i wasn't getting it gotcha and gotcha. didn't know i wasn't doing any gotcha. you know, okay stupid so I told him I don't have a quarter. Um, I've just lost my deferment because I was below the grade threshold. And so I was going to get drafted in a month and I knew I didn't want to do army. <laughs> so I tried to kick in some intelligence, you know, and I said, look, I got to go into the military. I don't want to, I don't want to get drafted in the army. So I'm going to join the Navy. And the reason I, I like water, I like ocean, you know, right. But more importantly, the Viet Cong didn't have a Navy. So, you know, if I'm out at sea, how are they going to kill me is what I'm thinking. Right. So I joined the Navy. And then I joined as a corpsman, guaranteed corpsman, medical person, uh, because I figured I was an idiot and never going to go to med school. I don't think a lot of people have a 1.7 flunk out of college and go to med school. Right. So I thought, um, I'll just do 20 years in the Navy and do it as my medical thing there and kind of enjoy it. So I did fine. I graduated first from my core school company and got choice of duty station, went to Pensacola because I was tired of being cold in Great Lakes, <laughs> you know, and everything's going along swimmingly. And then I'm due for sea duty. So I put in for, at the time my wife was pregnant and I didn't want to go out to sea for a year or whatever on a carrier or something. So I put in for two ships that pushed them out and came home every day. <laughs> and one of them that was being built that it was a legitimate duty station to help figure out the battle lady dressing stations. So I wait for my orders and they come back, 2nd Marine Division, Camp Lejeune. <laughs> well, Shit. I, yeah. Well, it was that point I called the Navy detail and I said, you have made a mistake. I am in the Navy. 
And he said, you are a moron. <laughs> he said, everybody knows the Marine Corps is part of the Navy. I said, well, I didn't. <laughs> I knew they were around a lot. I just, I thought it was a separate branch. We're just okay. friends. We're, we're, we're close. We're yeah. Close. So now it's a real shit show because now I'm going to be a combat medic with the Marine Corps. And I'm going to go to Vietnam and be in the worst place ever. I mean, you die in a rice paddy. Right. You know? Right. And corpsmen didn't do well over there. I mean, they did great service, but they didn't live a lot because you had to crawl up where they were already shot up, you know. You know there's already action if someone's in jail. So I'm getting ready to go to Vietnam and talk to a guy that had been there twice or three times. I don't know. He was a crazy person. And I said, (laughs) how did you do that? Get there and not die. He said, well, when you get there in country, have your family ship you a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Shit. And then when you get that, cut it off as short as you can so it'll still work. Then you get double-lot buck ammo out of the armory. And then you crawl up there to work on a guy, and you lay it on him, point it at the bad guys. And then when you're working on him, when they try to rush you, just pull the trigger, and you'll clear out a 12-foot swath. <laughs> Jesus. And I said to myself, I am going to die. That's yeah. what's going to happen here. So they issued us all our stuff. The ships were on the way. I mean, we have orders to deploy, and the war ended. Wow. Was there a peace treaty? What what ended Vietnam? Pulled we, out. We ran out, yeah. just like we ran out of Iraq. Really? Yeah. There was no winner in that no. war. Well, yeah. But now isn't it interesting? You can go to North Vietnam on vacation. Really? 50,000 guys died for another nothing. Yep. Really? Yeah. So anyway... I figured I was about to get out after that, and I figured, you know, I don't think I'm a moron. Uh, Obviously, I'm not going to die in Vietnam. That opens up opportunities. So I said, I'm going to go back to school and try this. How many places did you and Mom live in the the service? uh, Just Pensacola, where we got married and went right there, and then Jacksonville, North Carolina, and then we got out. Uh, Left Dyser, Iowa, right? Right, that's the hometown. Hometown, went right to... Jacksonville. How long were you there? No, not Jacksonville. Okay. No, we would. we, I was in the Navy before we got married. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And I was stationed at Pensacola Naval Air Station because I picked that. I was first in my company. I could do that. Perfect. And then I uh, came home, got married, was only home a week, packed everything we owned into a seven foot U haul and went to it. Florida. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I couldn't move now with four semis. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was Florida and then? Florida and then over to Jacksonville, North Carolina to Camp Lejeune. Gotcha. Okay. Which now I found out they could kill me because the water's bad. Yeah, the water's bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was right there in the midst of the benzene drinks. Yeah, you can't watch daytime TV without no. seeing, without seeing yeah, that yeah. advertisement. I'm waiting for the next organ to fail. <laughs> <laughs> so you realized, uh, so you got out of, the, out of the service. Yeah. And what's the next step? Well, I was going to go to the University of Northern Iowa. I had originally gone to Wartburg in Waverly, Iowa. Okay. But it was expensive there, and now I'm broke. <laughs> so I did have GI Bill, which I used all of it, but I decided I'd go to UNI. So I applied there, and they wouldn't take me because my grades were so bad. <laughs> I called Wartburg back, and he said, yeah, we'll take you, but you're on probation. <laughs> four, out, four years later, married with a son. And right. So I now I'm not in the dorm. I'm living off campus. I'm studying in the basement. Got got off a raging ADHD and had no clue that's what I had. But I just would study in the basement where I couldn't see out a window or hear anything and get it done. And the uh, four-pointed 
every class I took until I graduated. And after the first quarter, administration called me in. And they said, we want to see some ID. I said, said, what are you talking about? He said, well, we're pretty sure Cavalier can't get these guys. Yeah, someone stole your identity. Completely different person here. Well, it's, you know, in some forgiving manner, I don't think too many flunk out of college and then disappear for four years and come back. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you accredit the military for getting your your kind of stuff straightened out? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, an enormous amount of maturation, you know, (laughs) discipline. Um, Grew up quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you had to. And, you know, I'm convinced that's why our marriage has lasted all these years. I mean, we got married and we were gone in in less than a week and uh, uh, no way for anybody to change anybody's mind. You had to figure it out. Right. How many years? How many years? This is on the spot, so I'm sorry. But how many years have you been married? 48 this year. 48. 48. Wow. Wow. I lasted almost two. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a rarity in today's world, 48 well, years yeah. Well, think marriage. about it, you know. That's... I met your mom when she was 15, okay. okay? Okay. And we dated three years to the day till we got married when she was 18. Right. And I was 21. Yeah. And we've been married 48 years. That doesn't happen. Does yeah. not happen. You know, but that was back in the day when you knew somebody from high school and you came from the same small town. and Right. And then she and I traveled our life together. And, you know, it isn't just me, certainly. I mean, it's the pairing. I mean, your mother's been the rock. I mean, she she runs the money. I mean, I haven't had a bank card since 1975. Which is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. She took it away because I wasn't giving her the receipts and the damn checkbook wouldn't balance. She got all pissy and and that was the end of it. But it's a good, it's, it's teamwork. Well, and to this day, if you put a gun to my head and say, ask me, what's your paycheck? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> Which I have never seen it. Is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Ever. She manages all the money. She, you know, she's a rock. She could find you a receipt from Sam's three years ago. That's important. She needs and such a good woman. Also, Deb. Shout out, Deb. Shout she, out, Deb. Good yeah, lady. Great woman. Mama bear. Yep. Yeah. No, she's a great lady. That's good. So, um, where are we at with the, with the story? Where? Well, I was back at Wartburg, I think. Yep, yeah. So then I graduated Wartburg, uh, magnum cum laude, uh, 3.85, I think it was, because I kept two Bs and a C from the prior 4A. That's the only <laughs> oh. thing that drug your your. Yeah, two Bs and a C pulled it down from 4.385. Damn it. Yeah, it was good enough. Right. So then I went, uh, I applied to um, Iowa City Med School, and my advisor at Warburg said, you ought to apply to one osteopathic medical school. I said, what's an osteopathic medical school? I had no idea. I never even knew about a deal. And he said, i just cover your bases. I said, well, okay. So I did that. Well, um, there's an application process for medical school called AMCAS for the MD schools, and it's called ACOMAS for the DO schools. Yep. Well, AMCAS averages every grade you ever got in your life. So all my D's and all those F's and all that stuff. So it made my application GPA a 3.05. Wow. But my application grade point, the the real one, of course, for osteopathic schools was 3.85, which is more than enough. So Iowa didn't accept me because of that. And uh, the DO school here in Des Moines did. So... I called the University of Iowa and talked to the dean down there, and I said, what in the hell is going on here? And he goes, yeah, it's a paperwork issue. We don't do interviews, and we love veterans. He said, apply next year. You will get in. Wow. I, I said, I'm too old. 
I'm already accepted. How yeah. how old were you at this point? Um, Is, that's that's hard math. It's you know, what's that? Twenty five. Nineteen eighty four. Uh, born in 53, so 31, I guess. Oh, wow. Instant math. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't get that gene. Sharp, <laughs> sharpest attack. <laughs> so, so I went to DO school. So then I um, graduated there, and I, this time I was going to always be a pediatrician. See, when I was in the Navy at, uh, at uh, Camp Geiger, which is outside of Lejeune, when I went there, I was going to be a field service medical rep, which is a combat medic. And so your life, every week, was Monday through Friday in the field with these Marines in camo playing war, and then back maybe the weekend a little bit, and then go again. And I pretty quickly realized that I, the lifestyle didn't really match, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially with Deb pregnant. So I uh, had been a PA briefly at Pensacola. They had a physician's assistant program I was enrolled in down there. It was a command-only program, so I could only do it there. Okay. And then I got shipped out, which I got a great story to tell you about the admiral there on, before I left. But um, <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I got tired of running around in the dirt. So I went over to the base dispensary and the chief petty officer there, and I said, "Look, you got an empty hallway here. Uh, we're 50 miles from the main hospital. All the dependents and their kids and wives and parents got to drive 50 miles for healthcare." I said, "Why don't we put a dependents clinic in this wing over here?" I'll do the PA thing. The medical officer can sign off on the scripts. I won't do any controlled stuff or birth control or none of that. Right. And you give me a core wave, a female corpsman, to be kind of like my nurse, you know, and we'll do that. And he says, that's a plan. So he did a te temporary duty transfer. Hold, hold on. You convinced? You, you were tired of, of, of getting dirty every day? Yeah. So you convinced yeah. someone to set up a clinic? Right. It's wonderful. <laughs> right. So now I'm out of camel, back into my whites, and... It's Monday through Friday. Uh, by then, I was a second-class petty officer, E5. Okay. So I was in charge of my own clinic. So every Thursday was what they called field day in the afternoon. You shut down at noon, and then field day was where you cleaned the building where you, you were at. Well, we had two rooms. So we'd have that done in 30 minutes. Okay. And the medical officer, Dr. Lang at the time, he and I'd go deep sea fishing. <laughs> it was a great deal. What a great sale. Yeah. I mean, holy Thank you. shit. Thank you, U.S. taxpayer. Yeah. So, and what's even better than that, I had to ask myself every month for a 96-hour liberty, and I always said yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, holy shit. So, I, anyway, I got, um, got, I was always going to be a pediatrician. Because I'd taken care of these little kids, and I loved it. Yeah. So I, all the way through college, med school, pediatrician. Okay. I'd already matched. I um, applied, and I got matched at Children's Hospital in St. Louis, and that's in March of your senior year. Okay. And now it's like um, April, I think. And I, did a, I thought I ought to do a rotation in child psychiatry because I was going to be a pediatrician, should know something. Okay. Did a rotation in Des Moines with a great doc, and I really, wow, it was kind of like smitten. So I repeated it another month, and I was hooked at that point. Are you able to choose at that point to re you can you can just go again? Like, is, are you? How, how did you do the second month? I had an, a month of ex uh, elective. Gotcha. So I got to pick it. So you spent two months at that point doing child psychiatry, right? A month apart, with a month in between. Okay. Right? And then I graduated. So I the plan was to go to St. Louis and do a year of pediatrics, and then probably transfer to a child psychiatry program. Okay. 
but I love pediatrics so much I stayed and finished the three-year residency, right? <laughs> which right. produced an enormous number of stories. But um, yeah, and then I went on and did general psychiatry, which is a residency, and then you have to do a two-year child fellowship at the end to do child psych, um, and then came to Des Moines and, and been in practice 31 years. Didn't you accept an offer originally when you first came to Des Moines? What what brought you back to Des Moines? The, the well, the doc I rotated with and inspired me. Just fell in love yeah, with, with psychiatry. Just, yeah, and so I came back to join that practice, which I did. Yep. And I was there for a little over four years or whatever. And then just, it's complicated, but mostly wanted to just have my own practice. Entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, came so through. broke away and yeah. done that ever since. But um, Couldn't have been easy, though. No. <laughs> well, especially the starting your own practice part. Yeah. How yeah, did you I, figure that out? Well, I actually there's some 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 parts of these stories I have heard, some I haven't. So this is why I, I'm I'm so excited to have, have yeah. you on this. Um, what made you guys? I mean, what what was that like? What was what was the? How did you even go about? learning on how to, you were already practicing right but what was the building blocks to get you into starting your own practice well again your mother pops up in this deal i mean right. i i decided i didn't want to stay with the other group i want to do my own so i set her off on a year-long task of how do we do a phone how do we do charts how do, i mean she's going to other practices and getting consults from docs just because they're nice to her at this time was what was mom doing was she a stay-at-home mom at this at this right point? she was because she had worked for some like what architectural firms right she had done before um uh babies gotcha yeah gotcha and and then when uh i got out of the navy um she still worked in uh, at that time and then after you were born right after we got out in fact the month we got out right um and she stayed home for the rest of that time so she was able to have some free time to sort that out but it's it was an enormous project that you know you right. would think takes some talent and certainly she had it yeah. so and she went on to be the office manager all those years you know and so that produced some interesting things because you know in the beginning you just don't cash flow um all small business they say takes five years to minimum to start cash flowing because you got more overhead than income and right even though we had just overwhelming need i mean didn't have enough producers that were making money so it just didn't cash flow i've always i've always given mom like this enormous credit because everybody hears about doc like this enormously large man that says all this funny stuff to, you know and uh no one ever hears about mom, so they, they ask. They're like, they're like, what's the story on mom? I'm like, oh, total badass. She oh, started backbone. Yeah, she that, sta she yeah. started the business, right? Mm -hmm. You were seeing patients. Right. Mom was doing everything else. Right. When we started out, it was myself and a nurse yep. and one therapist. Crazy. And then Deb ran the office. Same location. Yes, because she went looking for <laughs> she went looking for office space and. She said, I'm going to show you this place, but we can't have it. And, and you know, and uh, so I, I'm walking up to the building and said, we got to have this. I mean, location and everything and how it looks. And it's it's so a I, perfect spot. It is perfect. Yeah. And it looks like monumental or like government yeah. almost. Yeah. In a way. yeah. It's got the columns around it. You know, I was always going to put a big chair in front and sit there and look like Lincoln. Lincoln. You know? yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, we just didn't cash flow it. Initially, we leased half of it and but ended up buying the building. But. In the very beginning, it's one of my kind of favorite stories. The uh, it just wasn't cash flowing, and Deb was 
doing her job because she knew I had to concentrate on patient care and I'd get holes in my stomach, so she didn't tell me everything. Right. And she's robbing Peter to pay Paul and right. laid on some bills and stuff. And wow. So at the time, we were banking with a bank. I don't know if I should mention their name, but they are from. They were at the time from Minneapolis. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Give us them a break. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not going to say some very nice things. But the... Uh, um, Defamation lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> so she wasn't keeping me fully informed on that scary stuff, and here comes two suits from the bank. So I'm sitting behind my desk, and there's two suits sitting in front of me in two chairs, and... Can we can we describe the office real quick? Is, was it was it look looking like it does now? It is. It's yeah. a unique office. Yeah. I just yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want to break up his thought train here, but there's like a fish tank worthy of a villain. Well, it used to be. Okay. So we had issues. Which there's there's some uh, ex- exotic looking fish swimming on one side. There were at that and time more yeah. furniture than I've ever seen. Well, in some, an office, and sometimes it's all filled. You know, <laughs> you get a couple big overstuffed chairs, right? Four and a four sofa, and, sofa yeah. And, yeah. And, a, yeah, and a big credenza desk yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. and more plaques on the wall than you could ever imagine. I mean, I've been to I've been to doctors' offices. They don't have as many as you. I don't know what's going well, on there. Yeah, you have to do several residents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it piles up the paperwork. So anyway, continue on the story of two. So these two suits show up, and one of them's a little stubby dude, and he's the, he's apparently decided to be the talker. And, <laughs> and he starts this off with, you know, you're behind on these notes. We can shut you down. And um, that sort of stopped the comment right there because I said, are you going to shut me down right now? He goes, why would you need to know that right now? I said, because there's something you need to know. If you shut me down, I'm going to get up, come around my desk, and I'm going to put your ass in the hospital. And he goes, don't threaten me. I said, you started it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll pay you every damn dime I owe you if you work with me. But if you're going to shut me down, I am going to beat your ass bad. I mean, hospital bad. <laughs> I love it. Well, they decided not to pursue that option. And, uh, and it, it was funny, just short, because I had nothing to lose. Right. At that point, they had my house, they had my life insurance, they had everything. If they just shut me down, I'd been bankrupt. Well, we had everything to lose, yeah, technically. Yeah, yeah, everything you could, to lose. Yeah. You only had upside, though. I mean, I, mean, I could start over, but, you know. Yeah. What would you have done? I mean, what would you have done? Start over. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You got, yep. Right. So, I didn't have to, thank God. And then it was like, I don't even know if it was six months later or whatever, it just flipped the switch and we cash flowed and we have ever since. What was the defining factor in that? What, what Hired you... enough clinical associates. Really? Because everybody starts producing, it produces more to the overhead, the bottom line. And, right. And uh, it just cash flowed. And really? to the point where now we don't, we had a, you know, a line of credit for years. We never used it since, you know. Yeah. We, we just cash flow. Um, it's a machine now. I mean, we have probably 15,000 active patients and wow. get as many as 10 new patient intakes a day. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's out of you control. You guys are busy. And I have patients all over the United States. They come from everywhere. That's wild. Yeah. Well, yeah. you, I mean, I'm not trying to pump your tires here, yeah. but I mean, you are, I mean, maybe not world renowned, but I mean, you're, you're, every, everyone knows Doc, Doc Cavalier. Well, yeah, I mean, around here, but you know, just as an example, a woman called the other day. I'm going to see the kid Monday. They're coming from Kansas. Wow, it's a long haul. For what? How, how long will they have? A, hour appointment. One hour appointment. Jesus. Yeah. They drive and seven, see, eight hours for. And see, that's for a small child. I think three or four with autism, mm-hmm. and that's sort of my. You've gotten good area at that. that's 
renowned, I guess. It's, um, and that's a whole story we can go into another time. But the um, uh, Channel 13 did a news story about my treatment of autism. I don't even know. 10, 15 years ago now. I remember that. And that went viral on the internet. And I understand you can still find that video on YouTube, but I got to warn everybody who listens to this that if you look that up and watch it, the camera made me look fat. Okay. <laughs> camera, camera out at yeah. 30, 40 pounds, Doc. So. <laughs> Side note, uh, how much weight have you recently lost? Right at 45 to 50. Insane. Amazing. Insane. Yeah. You look like a different person. Yeah. yeah. I do want to know, just from a from a comical factor, Dad's sitting on a cushion because <laughs> he's lost so much weight that his um, his his ass bones so bony. are protruding through a layer that used to be there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a part I don't get. You know, you have you see people that have a backside the size of a you know a Tesla. <laughs> I never really had a big ass, but whatever I had is gone, and now I'm like a tripod. I'm yeah. just sitting on my two hip bones and my tailbone, and it's not comfortable. Gotta have cushions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. tripod. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so anyway, we're we're at the point where the bankers are getting threatened. Yeah, and then they backed off, and okay. then we cash flow. Then I was done with them, so we found a bank uh, that was more than willing to take our money and. We haven't had an issue for decades. A good bank is really like a huge oh, component of being successful. In yeah, business. but you Especially, know what's interesting about that is that they will lend you everything you need when you don't need it. Right. Yep. But when you need it, it's just they just and the interest rates and oh my god. Yep. Oh, yeah. for a, a a good bank, a good banker that'll work with you yep. as a small business owner yep. is such an under them and a good accountant is such an underrated aspect of being a small business owner that I think a lot of people don't really understand. Yeah, well, you know, if, I guess I can't assume that you're going to pay it back. I mean, my generation, you just didn't do otherwise. You just always paid your debts. But yeah. I guess people bug out on them. Yeah, they screw, but, they screw yeah. them over, and that's yeah. why they probably have, you know, they have to be so res, you know, resistant to... But, you know, to give you a little perspective on how banking has changed maybe a little bit, I'm getting ready to leave St. Louis after my PEDS residency. Okay. And I'm going to go to Topeka, Kansas to the Menninger Clinic to do psychiatry. All right. My car was a 78 Ford. <laughs> Ford what? Uh, Galaxy. Oh. It was the size of Noah's Ark. Had a but, had a back seat bigger than my couch. Yeah. Yeah. And the front seats were like twin beds. If you're right. <laughs> you could actually kind of stretch out. Yeah. Well, it worked out good. Kind of floated down the road. Felt well, like anyway, you were on a boat. It was. Yeah. They had that bat. Yeah. They really that did. Damn thing was shot, though. I had to have a better car. So they, I wanted to get a Mercury Sable. 1980. Would have been 87, I guess. Yeah. That was like an attractive an car. 86 model. You yeah. wanted a Sable. Mercury Sable because it had this digital speedometer that was new you know really they ranked them pretty good had the three liter v6 which was a rock solid you know and i wonder what the last year they made the sable in i don't know they don't make the sable did, was that the spinoff of the escort did they no it was no? The no. off of the taurus taurus did they made sables up till 2000 but the taurus the modern taurus was the worst looking car ever well, i had one you had a taurus oh yeah mm -hmm. i don't know about taurus but the Sable was bad. The Sable was bad. Okay. Did they, made, they made the Sable up till what, 2000? I don't know. I've never heard of anybody. That's I don't know. Why don't we come back out of the thin air and finish the story? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, 
Anyway. <laughs> Got a couple mouth Sorry. breathers. Sorry. Continue, please. Sorry. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Got into the deeper weeds there for a little bit. Back to the sable. Yeah. It'll happen. It'll yeah. happen several it times. Happen. Anyway, I need a car. Okay. Well, we were banking at a, at a what do they call it? A credit union. Right. And they could only lend 75%. Well, I didn't have the 25, you know. Right. I needed to borrow all of it. So we're driving back, Deb and I, from the credit union, who said no. And, and um, it's this huge bank in St. Louis at the time, I don't know, called Boatman's. Okay. And we didn't even have an account. We just walked in. And this is before, before computers, all that stuff, you know, at least for normal people. And I said, I want to speak to a loan officer. So I sat down with this guy, Deb and I did. And he gets out a piece of paper, form, you know, and he starts filling out. I said, what's your name? I go this, yeah. What's your address? Yeah. I mean, it's the first three lines or something. And then he says, and what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pediatric resident. He goes, he just stops and looks at me. He goes, you're a doctor? Oh, my God. I said, yeah. And he goes to the top of the page and writes DR, period. Lays the pencil down. You're approved. <laughs> and he says, we'll call you this afternoon. You gotta be kidding me. No, that's where it ended. He didn't ask for anything else. Right. So, you know, we have an answer machine on the phone. He said, we'll leave a message for you. So, before cell phones. Before cell phones. I didn't have one of those until I started practicing. Weird. Yeah. We talked about it last, yeah, uh, just last episode. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. And the first cell phone I had was so heavy, I laid it on the roof of the car, drove across town, and got there, it's still there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just heavy. <laughs> Love it. So anyway, we get a message. You're approved. Um, let us know. So I called and I said, I got to make sure this is clear. I need to borrow the full value. Right. Including license, including tax, on the road. Because right. I have no money. Bro. And they said, right, we get it. Go get what you want. <laughs> and I said, you sure? And he says, yeah, go downtown, talk to Charlie. See what he's got. Charlie was the Rolls-Royce dealer. Oh, Jesus Christ. In St. Louis. No. no. Yeah. They would have let me into the poorhouse. There's no way. Yeah, no, no issue. Go down and talk to Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Just I'm, with the doctor title. Yeah, he might have been a, a little bit, you know, <laughs> kidding, but Charlie needed to make a sale. Yeah. <laughs> That's his brother-in-law right there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's Hope in, the, makes mortgage he's in the exact same situation as you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So anyway, it was a different time, you know. I, you know, and then you take it back another notch. I remember my dad borrowing money from the bank with a handshake. Hell yeah, wild! It just was because everybody paid, and you, yeah, you, you stiff you, people. You, you, you trusted people, yeah, and, 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 yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt no, here, but uh, me and Austin, up until recently, kind of getting away from it now, but um, have dealt with a small town bank. I have my entire life. My father's business, my business, everything. Um, it's re- recently changed hands, but up until very, very recently, it was still that same way. I would call my banker, be like, "Hey, Logan," I'm like, "What? Um, I'm I'm headed to the dealership. I'm gonna pick up a new a new truck." He goes, "Okay, r- write a check for it, and you know, within the next couple weeks, mm-hmm. stop in, fill come, out fill out some paperwork. Come see me." Yeah, it's. It's not like that. It's so hard to find that anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah. When yeah. I bought that obnoxious Mercedes, oh, yeah. I called around to a bunch of, a bunch of banks. It's like, I'm not paying cash for this thing. Yeah. And uh, every, every bank in the world is like, yeah, we, 
we don't want to touch that <laughs> with a 10 foot pole yeah the g-wagon yeah i called Thanks. up i called up there and they're like yeah no problem mm-hmm. here's four <laughs> percent yeah yeah it's so, life's interesting so did you buy the sable yes i did and uh, not from was it Charlie? No, God, no, I didn't go see Charlie. <laughs> but it kind of also reminds me, fast forward all these years, you know, your mom, we, I think we leased, she likes that big Lexus Sport Utility LX. At the time, it was the 470. Now it's the 570. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she got, I think, I think we bought the first one used, you know? Yep. And then um, she just, I think then we maybe leased one. Anyway, She's had she's on her third one now, but just runs them till there's nothing left. I mean, the last one, the, the ride heights didn't work, so they locked that. The air quit working. You know, mom's had the same car for twenty years. Yeah, same color, same color, same interior, everything, everything. Just new versions. Just, well, as long as I've known her, she's had this one. Yeah, it started out in a Bronco. Yeah, way back, oh. way back when. Yeah, that Jason rolled. Yes, of course. Did, yeah. Shocker. <laughs> Left the house well, mad. <laughs> Flip the Bronco. <laughs> in fairness, he just laid it on its side. Right. Still, yeah, he flipped know. it up, and it still, I think, ran. Top-heavy vehicle. Yeah. But she went from, from Bronco to Forerunner. Yes, to I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's partly because I was making more money and we could do it, but yep. she, we didn't throw it away. So yep. um, she needed a new one. Okay. Well, the new ones were $98,000. I said, you know, I was willing to do whatever but she said we are not doing that <laughs> she's the money manager you know love it so we just started looking around couldn't find one couldn't find one finally uh we actually went and looked at mercedes because you said maybe she'll like that one and we i remember hate, that we hated that and so went back to lexus and i was just trying to get ready to bite the bullet on a new one and here one pulls in you know with people in it and a salesperson we're going what is going on here and they get out and they're talking about it. And we talked to a salesman. Yeah, he said, we just got it in. We haven't even cleaned it up. And I said, are those people taking it? Do I have to go over and punch them out? Or what do we got to do here? <laughs> and he goes, I don't. I think it's too big for them. And they, it was. They wanted the smaller one. So we leaped on that. Well, anyway, it had to be fixed up a little bit. A wealthy family owned it and treated it like a pickup, I think. And I know the family you're talking about. Yeah. We, we won't say it on air. No, air. no, no. We'll just say they own all of Ankeny, if yeah. not, if not oh, further yikes. north. Yikes. <laughs> Whoever was hauling straw in the back. And it was, they needed they a little goats. paint work, and we had to save our old seats because these were all tore yeah. up. And, you know, anyway, but it only had like 26,000 miles on it. Yeah. So they certified it and all that. That's the one she's driving now. And uh, so they, I said, what kind of money, what, what's the interest? And they go, oh, we can do 2%. I said, well, I'll use your money for 2%. Oh, yeah. So we have to meet with the finance guy, of course. So we go back there, and he goes, starts off by saying, well, congratulations. I go, what? He goes, you have the best credit score we've ever seen at the dealership. (laughs) And I said, oh, bullshit. (laughs) I mean, you've got millionaires and multimillionaires coming in here. Don't tell me that. This is at the Willis store, right? Yeah. Yeah, fancy. Yeah. And he says, well, yeah, you're right about that. He said, but that don't mean they manage your money right. (laughs) Right. He said, your score is so good, you should go buy an airplane. I said, my score is good because I don't own an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. So anyway, yeah, because of Deb, you know. The, paid. the only story I want to tell that's directly connected to the story is when mom was, uh, before she found that certified Lexus that she's in now, yeah. Jason had to take her to um, all the stores. So I, I think I sent her to 
Mercedes. I'm like, Mom, you gotta go check out this AMG. Like, oh Jesus, let's go see something cool. You know, uh-huh. I think for fun they stop by Range Rover, oh. and the, it's the best story. They walk into the showroom and they meet the sales guy, and they're looking at all these models. And there's the autobiography souped up, supercharged version on the showroom floor. And Mom goes, "Yeah, I want to test drive that one." The sales guy's like, "Yeah." Everybody wants to test test drive that one. It doesn't leave the showroom floor. Like, it's one of a kind. It's hand built. Mom didn't back off. Convinced the guy to, to take him out in it. Jason's in the, um, Jason's riding shotgun. Mom's driving it. Apparently, she punched it and hit like 100 on and on. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, she kind of liked it. Got back and was like, I don't know. A lot of plastic on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing. I mean. Her Lexus, she just loves. I mean, the gl- leather is like glove soft and yep. wood. And I mean, it's just a beautiful vehicle. We were just saying that today, and it's a 2014. You know, yeah. But she she put new tires on. I said, you know, I think that's probably the last set of tires you put on this one. And she says, yeah, as long as I have this vehicle. I was meaning, you know, she's 67 this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was kind of indicating the last set of tires you oh, have to buy before oh. somebody takes your keys. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. Where, where are we at with the story? So we have we have we have bought a sable. Yeah. Uh, we have declined a Rolls Royce offer. Yes, he did. <laughs> great move, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah. I thought it was great. Um, Especially what you see when they go for and meek them. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. They, the price drops like a rock falling out of an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the oil change still eight thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> My buddy owned a Maserati, and he said, uh, yeah, the tires and oil change, picked it up from Des Moines, uh, drove it to Omaha and back. He got a bill for like ten five. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's the vehicle with the the Spartan? That's Maserati. Okay. So yeah, there's... Uh, it's the... It's the, um, the, the fork the, or whatever Neptune, you call it. Neptune fork. It's yeah, the, something like that. Whatever that... Uh, whatever Zeus holds in his hand. Yeah. Or not Zeus, the guy that swim around under the ocean. Isn't that Zeus? No, that's the god up above. The, yeah, the thought, water god. The you, you I thought Zeus was the god of water. Uh, no, no, the, the little, little mermaid's guy. dad. The little mermaid's dad. Uh, I thought the little Aqua, mer- Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman is part of the Marvel family. I don't, I'm pretty sure it's not Zeus. All, all I know is when I sold that last Dodge pickup, there was a Maserati uh, convertible yep. on sale. Yep. Like two years ago on Marketplace, it was on there forever, yep. and the price just kept dropping and oh. dropping and dropping. And I saw this thing, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy this thing and just, drive around for a summer. Just a Maserati. Oh, just for the summer. <laughs> and then turn around and sell it. Oh, and, yeah. And Travis, shout out Travis, uh, our <laughs> buyer seller of everything. He knows his values. Goes, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you will buy that, He's and you'll bad. sell it for half as much. You have to have Walt Disney money. Isn't that F word in the rule book, Bill? No, you can, oh. you, can, no, you can say fuck. Oh, you can oh, say you want, oh, you want, yeah. Uh, Speaking but, of that, we, we did have to have a, a, a talk before this podcast where yeah. we discussed the words we could and could not say. Yeah. Doc, unlike myself, Doc is cancelable. We're not, we can, we're we're not, not allowing yeah. Yeah. the yeah, Metro's greatest nope. psychiatrist I don't want it. to get canceled. <laughs> I don't want it. It's not happening yeah. today. No, absolutely he not. Says, he says, I don't want it. <laughs> Yeah. Don't really need that. Don't need that. Nope. Small yeah, business so, is hard enough. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I finished 
bought the new car and bought the sable drove to topeka this was a brand new car yes brand new first one ever in my life first brand yes. new car and um and how how old how old were you can we it would have been uh, th- uh 34 34 years old i think yeah wow so yeah i went to topeka and did psych well you know after the pediatric residency it was like going on vacation i mean the during the pediatric residency, I worked 135 hour a week. Jesus, you know it was every third night, overnight, all night long, and crazy. And have you 135 hours a week? Have yeah. you have you ever looked into um, the man who um, wrote the regiment for resident residency? Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. I'm um, not sure what you mean. So there, there, there's a guy. There's a guy back in like the. I think it was the 60s who um essentially wrote the blueprint for doctors and everything and the residency programs yeah i don't i don't i guess i, I can't remember his name was he just an asshole did he just mm-hmm. want to torture people full-blown cocaine addict oh uh yeah, it's I actually don't. very it's so interesting to Is look residency into that hard i mean it, it was well medical residencies were okay. ridiculous yeah. because you're mean, a full-time are, are they still that crazy well, there was a little issue. The I, I can't remember the exact details, but I believe there was a resident on call 24 hours somewhere in East Coast somewhere, and a kid died or a patient died, and it was litigated that she was too tired. And mm-hmm. At some point, you start shutting yeah. down. Well, it's amazing what you can do, but anyway. They want you to be under a, a uh, essentially fully... Your, your max stress level yeah. to be able to control yourself under high pressure situations, well, correct? And the, and the system requires it because who's going to do those hours? They couldn't hire enough staff. Right. I mean, the residents working all night long and stuff like that. So, um, and I didn't, I mean, I thought what I was doing was horrible. Every third night, it was there. The pediatric surgery transplant fellows, there were two of them. Okay, so these are guys who've done a surgery residency, then a pediatric surgery residency, then a pediatric surgical transplant fellowship. Three fellowships deep. Yeah, well, three programs deep. Okay. And there were two of them. So they were on call every other night. They're transplanting organs? Yes, and taking care of transplant patients. and They're transplanting pediatric? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Kidneys and stuff. Extremely specialized. Oh, yeah. And there's only two of them, so they're working every other night, all night long. So I was there and kind of bitching about my work schedule. And I said to him, how do you do every other night? And here's how this crazy bastard answered. He said, the only problem with it is you miss half the good cases. Jesus Christ. When you're not there. Just that addicted to it. I mean, it's that that hardcore. If you're going to succeed, if you're going to get an attending position or a at a famous place, you got to have the resume. Just throttled to the wall. Yeah. Brainwashed. Right. So, you know, that was a crazy three-year program because, you know, your your mom raised your brother. I was never there. She was den mother and all. I never went to anything. So then we get to Topeka and it's nine to five, Monday through Friday. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I was on call overnight one night a month. And I was at the state hospital and Deb and Jason could come and stay with me. So what what got you to Topeka? Because you guys have moved so much before I was even born that, that that it gets blurry to me. And I've heard some of these stories before. So you bought where'd you buy the sable? I bought the sable in St. Louis at the end of the Peds residency. Peds residency. And then I went to Topeka to do psych. Perfect. Okay. 
And another interesting point of that, I'm getting ready to leave um, Horseshoe. Okay. And the chief resident finds me in the ER, and he comes up to me and he goes, Horseshoe would like to make you an offer. <laughs> and I go, really? I said, what's that? He goes, they would like to offer you a pediatric emergency medicine fellowship. And if you do that, they will guarantee you an attending position at Children's Hospital. Wow. I said, flattering, but I want to do psych. And he goes, here's his response. Why on earth do you want to leave medicine? <laughs> wow. Pretty low opinion of psychiatry. But I could have stayed. And yeah. I think that's pretty relevant because here's just a terrific story I want to not forget. I, I ranked children's hospital number one on my residence rank thing. Okay. And I ranked blank here in town number two because I thought if I have a child and we didn't have to move, that'd be good. But blank hospital had 15,000 ER visits a year and children's hospital had 98,000. Oh, my God. And I'm a visual do guy kind of learner. So yeah. I figured that's where I should be. So I just applied to those two. My med students today are applying to 40. 40 pieces. different programs trying to make sure they get ranked in and matched somewhere and you applied to two two because i guess you know maybe not the most bright maneuver in my life but holy shit i just kind of assumed okay i'll get to go somewhere i want to go so if 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 they want to have done that would they have just placed you in a random or would you have just not been placed if you don't match then you got to scramble to find a program that didn't fall fill up oh my god and it might not even be in the special that you want to do right but back then Mental health was looked at as a... Yeah, it was, those programs didn't tend to fill. Wow. Now they do. Why yeah. would you, why would you want to leave medicine? It's a very popular uh, program because it affords a decent lifestyle and a good income. Do you, do you bring in residents in your practice? Oh, I have med students all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I was how, wondering. how far did you pursue pediatrics? I mean, you... I did the whole residency. The whole residency. Three, three years, yeah. So would um, you would you classify yourself? And these are ignorant questions. Are, would you classify yourself as a pediatrician? Oh, I am a pediatrician. You are a pediatrician. Yeah, so that, that is an ignorant question. No, no, <laughs> I, I have the paperwork on the wall. It says, <laughs> no, "Sorry, Dad." It no, says, "Sorry, Dad." Sorry, no Well, it, there's a lot going on. <laughs> no, and this is helping. <laughs> well, so, in your defense, yep. you know, you don't want me doing your pediatric care because correct. What I remember is in an archaeological <laughs> dig somewhere. Yeah. A few years back. Yeah. I mean, a lot's changed. But on the wall, it does say Dr. Randall Cavalier. Well, I have this completion program uh, from Children's Hospital. But let me finish that story. So I'm in my third year of pediatric residency. It's the middle of the night, 2.30 in the morning. Jim Keating was the director of the program at the time. Pediatrician extraordinaire. Just a genius. I mean, Harvard Medical School, Harvard Pediatric Residency, Harvard Chief Resident, Harvard this, Harvard that. Wow. Been the director of children's for decades, you know, when I got there. Just made residents' blood run cold because, you know, <laughs> he could ask you questions till you just tapped out. And then, you you know, I saw residents leave residents' report in tears. Just hop up and run out of the room. Really? Yeah. Um, he and I had a kind of a different relationship. He has... He asked me to present a case one time in there, and I present this case, and then he asked me a question, and then I answered it, and then he asked me another question, and I answered it, and then he asked me another question, and I had nothing left. <laughs> so I said at that point, well, Dr. Keating, you've done it. And he goes, what did I do? I said, I got nothing. So I think I know what we need to do about this. And he says, what do we need to do about this? And I said, I think you should tell me, and then we will both know. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and
and he started to look like he was going to smile, which would wreck his whole rep, and he just turned yeah, and kind of changed the subject. Never bothered me again after that, really. Really? Yeah. So So you broke him. I mean, you broke down that barrier. You didn't break him, but you broke down that barrier. Yeah, I think we had a different relationship. Might have gotten some respect. So, And I didn't realize why we had a different relationship. I mean, I was older than everybody else. but So third year residency, middle of the night, I'm on call as the resident for two floors, and I have an intern on each floor. And we had a code on one of the floors, a little guy. And 2.30, we, I finished this code, and he was fine, and, and he made it. He was good and stable. And so I just get done telling the nurses, okay, let's pack him up and get him over to the PICU where he can be monitored. And I turn around, and it's Jim Keating standing in the back of the room at 2.30 in the morning. I think he might have been a little bipolar. I'm just not sure. He'd have these, <laughs> he'd have these manic moments where he'd be up for four days reading everything. I don't yeah, know. Seriously. He would be really – I mean, he was just – Tremendously smart. He didn't. He didn't need to be there. No, no. But he was. He was. Yeah. It was his baby. So wow. He and I ended up walking down this hallway in the kind of had most lights off. This at two thirty in the morning. Right. And we're just leaving the area together. And he says to me as we're walking, "So, Randall, did I uh, ever tell you how you got into this program?" And I just stopped and turned and looked at him. I said, "Do I want to hear this?" And he goes, good story. I said, okay. <laughs> so he says, your interviews were good. Your numbers were great. He said, we got all the way to the selection committee, and they said, we can't take him. And he said, I told him, what do you mean we can't take him? And they said, well, he's a DO, and we don't think we can have a DO on medical staff at wow. OSU. And Keating says he told him, well, how do you know that? And they said, well, we're just pretty sure. And there's 15 slots per year. I was vying for one of them. And they had 80 applicants. Holy shit. So they said, we got a lot of good applicants. Mostly MDs, right? All. All MDs, yeah. 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 So he said, I want to suspend him and let's check the medical staff. Well, that's Barnes Hospital, 3,000 doctors. Children's Hospital. Barnes Hospital has 3,000 yes. doctors. It's 30 staff. stories tall. Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah. continue. Endowed by the DuPont family, self-insured. Holy shit. They have a tower that goes up next to the hospital with a restaurant on top called Queenie Tower. Because <laughs> they, donate, they donated the money for the... The Mrs. DuPont's maiden name was Queenie. Oh, yeah. my God. The DuPont family built the tower and gave it to him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Big money. 30000 at one hospital. 3000 Oh, sorry. 3000 3, Children's Hospital, I think, three fifty, And then Jewish Hospital is all part of Worship. And that was another, I don't know, five 700 That's a shit ton of doctors. So, he said, we reconvened two weeks. And he said, so I said to him, so what's the search? And they found one. Oh. A single DO in the entire Washington University Medical Center. He was the head of adult GI, and they outed him. His coach said, doctor. He didn't say D.O. <laughs> I think he'd been hiding. He wouldn't put it at the end of his He didn't name. put D.O. at the end. He had doctor so-and-so on his white coat. Hiding. Hiding, I think. So, but What, he was what year was this? 1984. That's crazy. Your recall on dates is just scary. Well, it was, I, yeah. I can't. I don't remember what I had for breakfast uh-huh. yesterday, Doc. And you remember every date. The goddamn no, it's, minute no, in it's, 1984. It's well, yeah. this is the best part of this. Okay, story. here we go. So, so Keating says, I think we should take him. And he could. 
because he was they that, found the one. He was that powerful. He could choose, and so they let him have his way. And so I get in. So I'm in this program for two and a half years. I never had one inkling that DO was an issue. I never heard of anything from nurses. I never heard anything from anybody. My peers were 100%. They came to my house. I mean, really? Oh, yeah. We, I had good friends. Yep. And no issues. Uh, and so, and I never even thought about it. I was too damn busy, you know, and tired. Right. So um, I get accepted. Keating's telling me the story. And then he says, it was kind of a significant event. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you are the first DO in the history of Children's Hospital. And we've been here 125 years. Jesus. Because the other DO was at some other facility. He was at They Barnes. found within the network. He was at Barnes. 125 years. Children's Hospital, where she'd been 100, was 125 years old at the time. Oh, my God. Never had a DO ever in the program. I was the first one ever. And I had no idea that when I applied <laughs> that it was a fantasy. And so I said to Keating, why? Why would you do that? You don't know me from nobody. You had plenty of good applicants. Why would you do that? And he goes, do you remember your interview with me? I said, vividly. <laughs> he goes, what did I say? I said, you, you said you never met a Navy corpsman that didn't have his shit together. He said, that's right. He said, but what you don't know is I was a Navy doc. No shit. Holy I just fuck. got goosebumps. I broke the ceiling because I was a veteran. 125 years? Yeah. Now there's all kinds of DOs down there. It's all accepted. kinds. It's, it's the ceiling's broken, but I didn't know that I was any standard bearer. Holy shit. Wow. And then I just told you at the end, they wanted me to stay and be a, they offered me the, the position. Yeah. Really, really tempting. I love the ER. I loved it. It's really? Like, it's always like combat. Yeah. You loved it. Oh, I, I, it was my favorite thing, but I knew I couldn't do that when I was like right now, I'm going to be 70 in January. I'd like to practice four or five more years. Right. Because I can do that. I'm in a climate-controlled environment. I'm not digging ditches. Doc, Get home as long as I don't forget who I am. You know? <laughs> what the hell are you going to do when you retire, Doc? That's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I enjoy it. You I'm love pretty, it, don't you? Oh, I love it. And I'm pretty sure just being home two days on the weekend, if I was home more than two days a week, I wouldn't stay married, I don't think. I think <laughs> well, we need to stay away from each other a little well, We also have to try to balance your checkbook because yeah. you love your auctions. <laughs> yeah, I do love auctions. <laughs> Got to keep them away from the auctions. Yeah. <laughs> It is funny, you know, everybody always asks, you know, they're, they're like, what, what, what's dad up to? Is he still in practice? And I said, he is, and sharp as a tack. Yeah. Like, you, your mental clarity is better than mine on a good day. Oh, well, I know. Can't and I, compete. I, the key is, I, I want to do it as long as I can do it, but I, there's a lot of factors there. I don't want to go out poorly. You don't want to end it being stupid or doing dumb things or not staying current. Agreed. You know, I'm board certified for life. I don't have to do anything to Which is it. interesting. What you... What do, what do other doctors have to do, like like, like uh, younger younger physicians? Right. Well, when I board certified in, in both child and adolescent and uh, general psychiatry, it was a lifetime board certification. Wow. But then shortly after that, it became you had to recertify every 10 years. Well, they have to do these maintenance of certification modules. Well, I still have to do continuing ed for my licensure. So I many can, hours. Yeah. A week, 40 uh, hours a every year. two years. Yeah. So I could do funky CME, you know, you can go, <laughs> you can go to a conference, half ass, pay attention, eat and drink a lot and go home and get the numbers. I still get the numbers. But I do, um, I need to put in 40 hours. I put in close to 80 and I use, I do the maintenance certification modules, the same one people have to do to stay current. 
because I think why not? If I'm going to do continuing ed, I need to stay continuing ed. Stay you might as really yeah. do it and stay yeah. up on so something you, you, that's you real. Do, you do double the the minimum yes. commitment. Yeah. So you do the same commitment just as the youngest that have to recertify. Okay. Yeah. As a 35 year old. That's yeah. So when they're just starting. Yeah. yeah. You don't let the the prerequisite. Uh, affect you at all you just go completely in and and yeah. complete yeah i just the mod- I, yeah every- i mean i don't have to take the test again but that's all open book at home anyway right. i mean i don't know how much that's really rigorous but right um but my continuing ed you know I, do you find value in continuing continuing ed or is it some of it kind of uh, monogamous is it kind of just um does some of it kind of repeat itself some, some of the stuff well doing you know it's it's it varies i mean it depends on what you do for continuing ed right um, I do only from the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, so it's pertinent to my practice. Gotcha. But you can do any non-specialty. I could do a class on, I don't know, dermatology, right. if I, want, I guess, but <laughs> it doesn't continue my knowledge base. Right. So, you know, when I did uh, uh, child boards, um, it was the last year that you could do it and be boarded and be boarded for life. And so there was no pressure there, you know. Jesus Christ. When they get it the first shot. Yeah, it yeah. was the one and only shot. They gave it once a year. Oh, that I was gotcha. it. Well, the written test had like a 97% pass rate. I mean, by history, everybody passed that. I mean, right. it wasn't that difficult, apparently. But then you had to do five oral exams in front of examiners. And you had to pass all five. You can't just pass a few. And the fail rate on the orals was, was 60%. Wow. So I knew guys that tried it five times and didn't survive. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that that happens with people that uh, graduate college and go to take a uh, exam to get a license for certain things. You better be careful. I'm not going to say his name. Don't you dare! <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> You're a mean, mean man. That's I'm not even going to talk about it more. Logan's you know, being mean. During the break, we will be assigning the participants of this podcast. <laughs> Doc, we, do we need to take a little break quick? or Well, state guidelines do say that there is a manda- uh, mandated nicotine level check Every, yep, fifteen for, minute for break, child yep. and adolescent uh, psychiatric providers. Yeah, and your, your boy here has a small little squirrel bladder as well, so... We're going to take a quick break. Is there any song you'd like to hear, or should we just do the... Uh, the old pauser, and what do you want to do? I'll put on a, a good new song. Um, it's called um, Werewolves of London. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. How? Same song that Kid Rock uses in the song All Summer Long. Oh, yeah. His Notice worst it? song. Yep. Everybody uh, gives Kid Rock the credit. Uh, I mean, but it's not his worst Warren Ziders. Yeah. Is it Ziders? I'm a big Kid Rock guy. And Warren Zevin. Yeah. 
it's the worst shout out I've ever given. Yeah, big kid rock guy, and that's his worst song. But we took a quick break, a little editing. We're back in record time. Thanks to somebody, I'm going to raise my hand. Um, I have an espresso shot, a fresh bush light. Uh, the doctor has checked his nicotine level. Yes, and has a freshened black velvet diet Pepsi. The doctor of BV. Here we are, boys. Doctor uh, of the gods. That's right. <laughs> Real quick before we get back to some interesting discussion, uh, I don't know why Black Velvet is so good. I also would like to say something. Nobody would know this, but I would like to apologize for the ricochet ricochet shot to Ken. I'm sorry, Ken. He can't even edit that one out. What? I can't. I can't edit that out. No, I know. It's I'm, stuck. It's stuck there forever. No, I'm just saying. I'm sorry. I'm sure he'll understand. He'll get it. Um. Black Velvet has become the favorite drink of our friend group. Yeah. Yep. Um, it was drinking by Pop Hodges. So I would like to go on record here. Obviously, the big bear here loves BV. Loves it. Pops love BV. Pops love BV. I've drank BV since I was 15 years old. That's too young. I. That's illegal. Sorry. Uh it's also, also <laughs> I know you're a mandatory reporter, Pops. I'm sorry. Uh, also, this might get us in trouble if we ever sell out to High V. I'm so sorry. Uh, all through high school, I worked in the meat department for. I already said the goddamn name. Yep, you're done. Fuck. It's all right. Um, and we used to get cases. I mean, pallets full of black velvet. And as a young man with absolutely no money, uh, just trying to make a little bit of money to put in my gas tank on my no, you V8 giant pickup truck I drove through high school. I think this topic probably ought to change. Yeah, yeah. The statute of limitations has not expired. What? Were you selling hooch out the back of a liquor store? No, oh. I wasn't selling it. Oh. I mean, for myself, I oh, used to snag. Personal consumption is different, I think, okay. in, the, yeah. in the eyes of the law. No, yeah, I'm sorry. our friend group has converted to Black Velvet. Bryce Sanford, Kenny Hodges, it's, myself. It's by far my favorite. I, I mean, I've drank it for fucking 20 years. We're going to go right back into the story. Years. But what's amazing about Dad is I think you've reached the point of your career where you could probably drink whatever whiskey you wanted. Oh, I could, but I, I don't like him. He does not like it. You know, people for years have <laughs> wanted to give me things, so they'll give me a bottle of Crown. I end up giving it to somebody else because I don't like it. All yeah. those poor people just found out that that gift didn't get consumed. <laughs> yeah, they think, oh, he's a doctor. He wants Crown. He wants the good stuff. I'm just saying, boy, I was, you know. What's interesting is that you're so specific on the Black Velvet. Um, if you have to drink a Canadian Club... It's not a good day. I won't drink it. You just refuse. Or if it's Diet Coke. Right. I've tried to trick you before. We've been out, and I said, ooh, Dad, I got you a cocktail. Takes a couple sips, puts it down. <laughs> yeah, deep, Diet DP. He knows. Uh, See, I think they make Diet Coke to take that white stuff off your battery terminal. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It, it works. You ever seen them put an egg in, in, a, in a, a cup of Coke for like a week? Like coke or something? It's not, it's not a good result. <laughs> yeah, coke does clean off the... It's like the best thing. Yeah. It's like better than the chemicals. Yep. It's, and we're chugging it as a nation. Putting it in our bellies. That's crazy. Anyway, back to the main topic. Before the break, you said you wanted to say one thing about Keating. Oh, yeah. Jim Keating, the director of the program, the one that got me in. Um, 
I'm gone for years. You know, I'd done psych residency. I was in practice for years. This is probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. I had a little patient with um, cystic fibrosis, and those patients can have severe lung issues and severe gut issues from enzymes or the lack thereof. This little guy's lungs were pretty good, but his gut was a mess, and he'd been a lot of places, and they couldn't seem to get him sorted out. Well, His or, gut? Yeah, his intestines. Gotcha. Yep. So I remember Jim Keating's main specialty was pediatric GI, and I didn't know how old he was when I was there, but he wasn't young, and I'd been gone a long time, and so I didn't even know if he was still there. So I called down to Children's Hospital with the family still in front of me and said, uh, asked for his office, and this gal answered, and I says, is Jim Keating still there? Told her who I was, and she said he retired yesterday. I said, really? And I said, I didn't think, I thought they'd have to carry him feet first out of there, and she said, we did too, but he wanted to go live with his daughter. Apparently his wife had passed away, and so he was going to go to Carolina somewhere. But she said, is his email still active if you want to send him an email? So I sent him this nice email about, you know, I remembered you fondly. I, I understand you won't remember me. It's, you know, 15 new Pete's residents every year uh, for 12 years, you know. <laughs> right. There's no way. I understand that. But you were a huge mentor for me, and congratulations, and I hope you, you deserve your retirement, all those things. And But I said, if you know anybody down there that can hook us up, I get this little guy and he's a superhero, you know, when it comes to his intestines. And so it wasn't two minutes, I get a response from his iPhone. And it says, I remember you, you were the corpsman. Wow. <laughs> How many years have gone by at this point? Wow. Well, I left there in 1987. Okay. And this would have been 10 years ago. Wow. 2012. Yeah, wow. I mean, he's just a genius. 30 years. And even in his last email to me he was still teaching he said uh, congratulations and in, in, in child psychiatry or whatever he said but just remember sometimes put down your prescription pad and just talk to him okay wow. that's awesome he, he was that guy yeah yeah and then i found out about two years later he passed oh oh shit yeah rest in peace yes i i wished i could have gone to that funeral or wake or whatever yeah but anyway what a guy I mean, there's people in your lives that have such a huge influence and, you know, people don't take the time to thank them. They don't take time to, in general, people only take time to bitch. I mean, if they're going to write a review, it's about how you suck. Yeah, no one ever writes a good review. Yeah, yeah you, I mean, get, you get the... It's only when you've been wronged. Yeah, people just don't go out of their way to to appreciate, you know, right. or say thank you or or show your gratification. It's an important thing, I think. That guy took the time. He took the time to evaluate you. Yeah, I mean, he changed my life, you know. Um, and, I, and I still tell stories about those PG years. I mean, they were very important years to me. Yeah. And, um, what was the differentiating factor that took you from, I mean, obviously you were very passionate about pediatrics. Was it your, what, what, about, um, what about psychiatric practice took you away from Pete's? Well, you know, when I... I'd already matched, and then I did those two rotations in my senior year, that, and I was just smitten. I mean, it just it was just hooked you. Yeah, it was like I just knew it, it was me. And it, it it wasn't as big as it was is today. No, God no. It, yeah, yeah, no, it was primitive, probably 
comparatively back then? Not to. You were you were obviously pretty talented in peds if you were selected the way you were. Mm -hmm. To leave that is is kind of it's it's a gamble, it, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm glad I did because what I do is a perfect. I, it's a perfect match for me. I would and, probably have to agree from well, the stories that I've heard. Well, and I and I, um, it's very gratifying, right? And it's a very good lifestyle. I mean, yeah. I just literally knew I would love pediatric ER, and I had a lot of friends that did it over the years, yeah. and they're all out of it that because they're my age or a little younger and. They couldn't do it anymore. They couldn't do the 12-hour shifts. They couldn't do the rotating shifts. You didn't have a life. You know, um, my my job is Monday through Friday. And I'm on call by phone, but I don't have to go in, you know. And right. it's a good lifestyle. And 100%. I could still do it at my age. How many years do you think you'll still be in practice? I am going to try for age 75. That would be five more years. 75. Yeah, That's perfect. As long as I don't get stupid, you know, <laughs> I have a lot of trusted people around me. If, if they come to me and say, uh, oh. <laughs> ah, "It's time to do it," you know, let's take your keys and you know, call in sick. Yeah, you know, if that, because shut just it down. You just don't want to do something stupid. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. Um, obviously, I, I I look at you all the time. You're sharp as tack. Yeah, completely, completely got it. It's 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 cool to watch. It's a perfect match. I mean. I don't know how many people are fortunate enough to do that. You know, the the old saying that uh, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. I, you know, so many people that just hate their job. They hate have it. To, have Every, to crawl, everybody hates their job. Crawl in every day because you've got to have an income kind of thing. Hate waking up. You know. You, you still love it. Yeah. And people say, you could retire. You have enough savings or whatever. Yeah, you know? of course. I don't know what I do. I mean, I don't golf. I suck at that. I yeah. figured that out 40 years ago. You're an interesting yeah. character no, when it that, comes to the medical community. Yeah, no, I, I don't even have a lot of doctors that are even friends. Right. I, you know, it's, I don't go to the country club. I haven't been to a movie since 1975. Uh, you do have a band that you like. Uh, oh, what's, what are they called? ABBA. ABBA. So that's two stories in one <laughs> and we only have so yeah. much time in a night next one but holy shit can you explain the last movie you went to jaws okay yeah no shit yeah uh, the original the jaws it was, huh? the original jaws yes it wasn't the best choice you see deb my wife <laughs> and i were taking scuba diving lessons at the time <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and the next day was our first open water dive. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Bad, bad timing. Yeah, I so could have told you that. We saw Jaws, and she wouldn't get in the boat, get out of the boat. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, I think she got in the water, but she kept spinning, looking for fins. Yeah, yeah. Anything after watching that movie. Yeah, no, it was pretty uh, dumb. I, I'm connecting dots here, but there's a lot of stories that I've heard that I want to be recorded. Uh, okay. Can you tell the story about the time you declined to go to a movie? Yeah. That, is that a military story? Yeah, kind of. I was... This one's creepy. I was... Yeah, I don't know anybody else that's had this experience. This is um, weird. I... Um, have haven't, you, I haven't heard this. No. Holy shit. I was at Great Lakes Naval Training Center north of Chicago in Hospital Corman School. That's what they call your A school. Right after boot camp, your next first... You go to a school to become something, and I was going to be a corman. So we lived in a barracks three to a room bunk beds and i was in the room had 
door was shut and I was studying, the other two guys were gone. And there's, um, our, our dog needs to get back in the house. We knew this would be an issue. Yeah. yeah keep going. Um, so anyway, um, I, there's a knock on the door and I open the door and there's seven guys in the hallway from my co- hospital core school company. And he said, we have a cab that'll hold eight and we want you to be number eight and we're going to, we're going to go over to North Chicago to the movie theater and watch the movie Exorcist. And I said, I don't like scary movies. I never have. And I don't want to go. And they said <laughs> something about my underwear was panties. And <laughs> that's one I remember. Yeah, I don't, typical. But I, I remember shot. I was standing there with my hand on the door, is with the, at the edge of the door, just holding it halfway open. And then I felt my collar yanked. I mean, strong, not just a little tug, but my, my shirt collar yanked. And I immediately assumed I had a roommate in the bunk I didn't know was there. And they came, it was, and I turned to look, and there's nobody there. And nobody in the bunks. There's nobody in the room. Creepy. And so I thought, well, obviously I imagined that. Uh-oh. I've got a Siberian Husky that's <laughs> got a personality of a human being. Yeah. Knew he was going to interrupt the podcast eventually. Go sit down. Yeah. Uh, fuck off, dog. <laughs> so <laughs> He actually knows what that means. Watch. <laughs> so anyway, I after the ink on the collar, I, turned, I must have distracted me enough or something. So I turned back and said to him, I'm not going, and shut the door. So they left without me. I later found out that crossing the railroad tracks to North Chicago, the cab was hit by a train. Jesus Christ. What? Going to see The Exorcist. Yeah. Five of them were killed. What? Yeah. Now Felt a tug on his collar. Yeah. Now, you have to put this in context because I was raised Lutheran. My mother made us go every week to Sunday school because you had to have another number in your pen. Right. Even when we went camping, they made us go to Sunday school somewhere. Southern Missouri was a little scary. (laughs) (laughs) You hear a banjo. (laughs) So anyway, a lot of church attendance, confirmation, all that stuff. But I'm not what you call a front pew guy. I go, I have my beliefs. Right. But organized religion, I have issues. Right. Okay. So this is not some religious zealot telling the story. Right. So... After that happened, I didn't know quite what to make of it, except that I, my position has been that I must have a destiny. I must, I must in some way, somehow I'm supposed to be doing something. Yeah. So I got to tell you, though, every time I, in pediatrics, like a little girl that was 10 minutes from dead that didn't die because I was there. Or, yeah, right. Or an autistic kid, I can get to talk. You know, those moments you think, Jesus, do I have to avoid tracks all the way home now? <laughs> don't I cross just, one. I just wonder. I mean, I don't know what to make of that, but I, that's, don't, that's I don't know really anybody awesome. that has that story. It's weird. It's, it's, it's so wild. awesome. That's so awesome. The yeah. interesting part, it wasn't like a tug. It was like a hard pull. Yeah, it was a very it. hard yank. That's, oh. that's wild to me. I don't know how you imagine that. It's not, yeah, just something. Yeah, it's something. There's something there. Mm-hmm. No, I, I love that story. I didn't mean to sidetrack him. Yeah, it's okay. And I don't know how far past we got past the sable, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Dad's first new car. Yeah, but uh, no, that's that's the, one of my favorite stories. Um, wow. I, well, I was going to tell you another one about 
St. Louis when I was there. There's a lot of stories and care there, but one of the things you did as a resident was you did labor and delivery. Here we go. Yeah. And labor and delivery was you covered labor and delivery at Barnes Hospital and at Jewish Hospital. You know, at Jewish, it was on the fifth floor. At Barnes Hospital, it was on the eighth floor. Some I sure as hell never understood. You'd think they'd put labor and delivery on by the ER. Right. I mean, if you're coming in about to pop, you don't need an eight-floor ride. Yeah, you know, just in I, case. Yeah. It's a stupid thing. But anyway, and these things are three city blocks apart, and they had skywalks, but I got a raging case of ADHD. I never could remember how to do it. <laughs> you know, I get lost in the skywalks. So I'm on the fifth floor of Jewish finishing a septic workup on a newborn and I get page stat to the labor and delivery to the birthing room at Barnes. Now, right away you start analyzing the data and if it's stat, that's bad. And then if it's birthing room, that's probably really bad because those aren't high risk deliveries. Two bad things at once. Yeah. I mean, a baby is stuck or something, right? Wow. So I don't know the skywalks. So I run down five floors of steps out onto the street, three blocks down St. Louis, <laughs> in scrubs and a white coat, looking like I'm deranged. Probably. This is a patient. This isn't a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> He's escaped. Yeah. In barns and up eight floors because you can't wait for a bunch of elevator buttons. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. Well, you got to remember back then, I was not young. I smoked. I was chunky. Oh. <laughs> 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 Then and not since, yeah, you know. do I, I don't even run across the street. If you're running, there's something wrong. Yeah, there's, I mean, I got a concealed carry. There's a bear chasing you. Yeah. <laughs> I got a concealed carry permit. I'm going to turn and face him before I run. <laughs> right. I'm not going to try to run and have an MI. Just because. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, hell. It's a two week rotation. I lost 20 pounds because they were running my ass all over this Jeez. damn house. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, I burst into this birthing room. You know, immediately go to the wall, turn on the oxygen, start sucking on the mask. <laughs> doctor doesn't need oxygen. No, that's for me. Yeah. Thank you. When I finally recovered, I, there's two, three residents in the room, OB residents, all gunned and gloved, just standing there holding their hands like this, sterile gloves. Oh, my gosh. And I go, when I could finally talk, I said, obviously, it's not stat. Right. You cannot page me stat. You will kill me. Right. You know, it, what the hell? And they said, well, we're just, we need you here because we're just not sure we can get the baby out. And see, if any, you guys or anybody listening can learn this lesson, I will save you a lot of mental imagery. If somebody says something like that to you, don't ask why. Because then they're going to show you. Oh, no. I got that mental image in my damn oh, brain. No. Oh, no. It's more vivid than oh, Vietnam, no. Vietnam PTSD. Oh, that no. shit. Okay. <laughs> Yikes. So, then I realized there's this mountain of a woman on the table. I mean, huge. So big, I didn't know, couldn't see her face because it was oh. on the other side of the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the equator. Oh, no. Okay. Jesus, you know, on the in the stirrups, sheet over him. Oh. So, this, the one little guy, he says, I'll show you. I said, oh, okay. So, we go over there, he lifts up the sheet. It turns out this woman's 500 pounds. Okay. She was 600 pounds. Jesus Christ. When she got pregnant, but they put her on prenatal care and got 100 pounds off of her. Oh. Well, the problem with that was 
The skin didn't go away. Oh, oh no. It yeah. looked like a goddamn amoeba eating the table. Oh, oh no. no. I mean, there was skin over both sides. Oh. There was skin down between the legs. There was skin onto the table. There was skin over the edge of the table and yeah. down, I'd bet, eight inches. Yeah. And so you can't get anywhere near to the birth canal, you know? Right. So he, I said, I see your problem. And I said, I am just so damn glad I'm a pediatrician. Oh. And he says, we got a plan. I said, okay, I'll be over here by the warming table. <laughs> so one OB resident reaches in from one side, grabs a bunch of skin and pulls off to the left Jesus as hard as he can. And the other one grabs in, pulls a whole bunch over to his side, trying to bring that up and back and out of the way. Sounds like a sailboat. There's, yeah. There's, okay. So the little guy, the little guy that drew the short straw, he's down in the middle. He's going to do the delivery, and he's got his hands kind of like you know. I don't. You can't see it on the radio, but positioned in the air a little bit, and I'm just looking straight at him, you know, from up by the Ohio table, the warming table, and then he says, you know, you could see the look on his face, like, you let go, I'm dead. You know? <laughs> They're going to flop on me like, oh, a, like an alien. Oh, you know? the, old, uh, the old cave is going to collapse. Then, oh, he no. says, then he says, I'm going in. Well, hell, I lost it. I mean, it was too military for me. I couldn't lose it. You know? Just started laughing out loud like crazy, like the poor oh. woman's invisible, you know? Oh, no. So anyway, he gets the baby out. The baby's fine. Seven pounds something, I recall. You know, Apgars were perfect. There was no issue. Once they finally found the opening. Well, <laughs> so I got this baby over there. But, you know, I'm just doing the Apgars and my thing, you know. And and uh, this poor resident that delivered the baby, you know, he was just grossed out. I mean, he'd been places oxygen couldn't get to. Scuba oh. <laughs> certified, no. I, I don't remember. the snorkel. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but I think he found the missing remote. Oh, I mean, there was... Oh, you know, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, he walks up the, her, the other side of the table to her. The other side of the horizon. Yeah, well, uh, the, the warming table's by her head to her right. Yep. And he walks, and I could look over and see her, and he goes up the other side of her table that she's on, and she turns to look at him away from me. And I'm just sitting there listening, and he goes, Lady, if it took three of us to get that baby out of there, how how in the hell <laughs> yeah. did you ever get pregnant? That's wonderful. And it was like it was rehearsed. She didn't even hesitate. She said, and I quote, because I never am going to forget this. <laughs> she said, and I quote, only a pencil-dicked white boy would ask a question. <laughs> 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 Oh, no. I think we're still compliant. I think we're still good. It's a quote. It's a quote. You can always quote things. It's a quote. Didn't make fun of anybody but a white boy, so I think we're okay. I think we're good. I think we're good. Holy shit. I mean, do we just... Do we... Do we end it on the pencil? We can end it on that. Pencil dick white boy. <laughs> Do you have any records of how many babies you delivered back in the day? Is oh, it, is I, there... I didn't deliver them. I was there uh, as the pediatrician. Gotcha. Thousands. Really? Wow. Yeah. I really? Mean, just many, many, many. Many. You know, and it just, you can't make this shit up. You can't. You know, it's, I got paid stat once to the Barnes Lobby. Okay. Now, Barnes Hospital, you remember, I think we mentioned it earlier, endowed by the DuPonts back then. Right. The lobby looks like the Marriott. 
wow. I mean, glass and brass elevators or escalators, expensive artwork on the walls. Security guards look like highway patrol, similar uniforms and guns. Wow. I mean, this is a serious place. Right. Wow. And I get page stat to the lobby that a baby was born. And I thought, oh, Jesus, that's going to take the resale out of those drugs. <laughs> born in the... In well, the... that was the story, okay. you know. <laughs> page stat to the lobby oh, no. for a baby. So I go running over there again thinking, geez, I didn't get to finish that smoke. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I run into the lobby. There's nothing going on except this big security guard standing there. And I go, I, I got page stat for a baby here in the lobby. Was there a baby born in the lobby? He goes, no. He said it was, he pointed to the window right by the front door. And he goes, it was born in the backseat of that car right there. Jesus. Oh, no. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I'm here to testify. He said, there is no resale left in that upholstery. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was, back then... They had built uh, this beautiful medical center called Regional Medical Center, and it was for the indigent and Medicaid population um, for their health care. Okay. Had state-of-the-art ultrasounds for OB, state-of-the-art everything. It was a beautiful place. But Barnes is prestigious. So these folks from the inner city would try this trick, and it often worked, but this one didn't. Um, they would labor in their car in the parking lot of Barnes because they figured out that if you show up and you're eight centimeters or more, no way. they can't transfer you. No yeah. way. Right. Yeah. Just to deliver right so there. So then they'd get to be admitted to Barnes and have their baby at Barnes. What a scary thing. To yeah. Do. But they would do it without anesthesia or any. Oh anything. my God. And the problem was she waited too long. And the baby was And when coming. he drove up to the entrance, which was another mistake, it wasn't the ER, it was the lobby. Oh my gosh. She popped it out in the back seat. So they took him to the ER, stabilized him, and transferred. Wow. Because the baby was already born. Baby healthy, everything good, everything mm-hmm. good? Mm-hmm. Wow. Not to, not to bring up a dark note at the end of a very funny story. Mom used to say that there were so many preemies, right? Used to walk in the house, not look at her, sit down and turn the TV on just to decompress for like... Well, it wasn't months. about necessarily preemies. It's when a kid died. Right. You yeah. know, we, be so tough. It just couldn't. It, it was hard. You know, you felt impotent. You did. She said everything. you'd sit down and drink Diet Pepsi and just. Yeah, and you I, needed. Some and time. I wouldn't even talk to her. Just go mindless or something. She was a great woman, and that's probably a good place to end this because, you know, in case I die before we ever have a chance to do this again, because <laughs> I do have a few risk factors. Shout out to mom again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I just want to say for the record. I have loved that woman since for 51 years. Wow. From the day I met her. Um, and that day was, is unique in itself. Uh, it was on July 5th. And 4th of July celebration was on the 5th because it rained out on the 4th. Okay. So in small town Iowa, Dyser, they were having skydivers come down. So a buddy of mine, Larry Lorenz, and I were laying on the grass with binoculars looking up at these skydivers coming down. We could see them coming down. Clearly before TikTok. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And I, as they got closer to the ground, you set up and keep following them. And when they landed, I watched, and then right there was Deb. And I remember thinking, hmm, that's a good-looking gal. You <laughs> saw Mom first through a pair of binoculars? Well, I knew her before in okay. school because we'd been in the same high school, but I thought she was kind of too chatty and a little annoying. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but she obviously had... <laughs> 
by that time she'd obviously matured no. in, in remarkable ways. So, so no. she was beautiful at that time, and she is beautiful today. And I tell you, if ever she, if I outlive her, which I'm hoping not to be the case, but if I ever do, I am going fishing because yeah. there's never going to be another woman in my life. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a really inspirational thing and an admirational thing. Incredible. Yeah. We all hope to uh, one day have that experience. I got to ask. That's great. Is there anything tied to this and your uh, admiration for binoculars now? Because you've got a few. You love love binoculars. You know, I never put that together, but maybe there is something... (laughs) You uh, love optics. Yeah, yeah especially so the good ones. You know, that last pair I got, they got one like that on the space station. <laughs> Dad, Dad pulls me aside the other day. He's like, I got to show you something. Like, okay, you know. He pulls something out of the back of his truck. It could be a gun. It could be a knife. <laughs> you never know. It could be something from the you never prehistoric know. times. Of yeah. Dinosaur bone. You never know. You never know what's going to come out of this guy. And um, he pulls out the biggest pair of binoculars I've ever seen. He goes... I just had it. I had to do it. <laughs> well, yeah. He says, you see these? And I, I saw it said Zeiss on there, so I knew it was worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> He's like, got it for nothing. This is what they use on the space shuttle. <laughs> <laughs> Not the shuttle, the space oh, station. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There would be no need on the space shuttle. Well, maybe space they, station. they might have a pair of go box on the shuttle, too. It'd I don't be know. real hard to stabilize. It's going quick. It's going, going quick. Speed yeah. of light. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, quick. Now the shuttle's done anyway, so we don't. It's a new point, but I, they say they're on the space station. That's good enough for me. I'd like to end this podcast. Um, <laughs> are you willing to disclose your recipe for deviled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, I, and why the lack of paprika? The, the people, yeah. the people want to know. Yeah, we had we had quite a few people. So we talked about deviled eggs on the last podcast, uh-huh. and uh, you obviously. Got brought up just because of the amount of deviled eggs you make for the holidays. You make quite the... And I have, have, after losing my mother and everything and not so much having that family get together, you've gracefully included me into your family, which I am so thankful for. You're you're the best. (laughs) Um, I cook for thrashers. Oh, my goodness. It's it's ridiculous. But... Nobody listening to this is going to know what thrashers are, but anyway. I love it. Uh, They can Google it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You you were so, you so just gracefully included me into your family, which I am forever indebted to. Um, But um, we got into Devil Days uh, last week. And uh, along with, you know, how Austin and Jason turn into competition, they eat. A thousand deviled eggs a piece, you know. Everything. You have to make multiple plates just oh, to oh, satisfy yeah, your yeah. sons. Yeah, it, yeah. it's so, it's so many. But uh, we got into about how the topping on it doesn't. You you don't mess with paprika, really. Yeah, you know it's supposedly a kind of a classic garnish or never. I, yeah, I never looked it up. I'm not even <laughs> sure what it is, but I'm not sure it has a lot of food value. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it does, and I don't like spicy shit. You know, so. Yeah. I just, I think, it, I don't know. We have, I, we have, you have boycotted the paprika. Uh, pretty much. I'll put it on if you want to eat them. Did, no, no. But did mom not. used to make the deviled eggs at one point? Or yeah, was I think always... she kind of did. It's kind of evolved in our marriage that I do almost all the time. All of and you're a wonderful cook. You're, yeah, you're you, such you a great cook. I like cooking. But, you know, I use Miracle Whip with the egg yolk. And people use mayonnaise. I think it's different. I prefer the Miracle Whip. Yeah, I think it's more Your deviled tangy. eggs are wonderful. You have a great deviled egg. Yeah. Um, 
Did mom ever? She, at one point, was paprika part oh, of the family? Oh, yeah, that's what and, the and church you, ladies did, so that's what you had to do, you know. I just, uh, on the last episode, we've talked about uh, using bacon in deviled eggs. Is there any... I've not done that, but I don't know why you couldn't crumble it and mix it in. We have maybe unlocked. Do. We've maybe yeah. unlocked something here. Yeah, you can buy that cooked crumbled bacon. That yeah, you never know. It's real, you know, real. Yeah, bacon. I guess our last question would be: I have to ask it. I'm sorry. Is it an underwear? It involves no, no. Okay, that's, okay. That's the next episode. Okay. This involves a dumpster. Oh no! If you were walking down an alley and you found one of your prized Tupperware containers, I know you're going to take it home. But if there was a <laughs> one of your deviled egg Tupperware containers was sitting on a dumpster. Um, would you consume the eggs inside? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different answer for us. No. I mean, I think you could sterilize the Tupperware and yeah, use it. <laughs> they don't even make them anymore. I don't. I think. don't even know. But uh, you know, I go to a lot of tag sales and auctions and stuff, and you can pick that stuff up. I'm pretty much overloaded on the Tupperware marinators. <laughs> They're great. No, yeah. yeah. But uh, they are great. Um, yeah. It's. Um, you would say no to a a, a plate of deviled eggs yes, on a dumpster. Yeah. It's not even my favorite thing to eat. Now that I'm on this weight loss thing, I'm, the medicine I'm on, I, I'm just not even hungry anymore. I just like cooking for other people. You're so good at it. You are the best. And we are so thankful for you. Yeah, just well, as a person, not even the cooking, just you being you, we we couldn't be more thankful for Well, you. I appreciate that, but the, you know, the reality, put that in context, is... Uh, at my age, certainly, and probably for some number of years now, the real luxury of being my age is that I pretty much don't give a shit. So <laughs> I love it. You know, I think if somebody doesn't like me, I you know I sure don't cry over that. I don't yep. care. Wonderful. You know, so That's great. Yep. But I appreciate the compliment. Everybody likes compliments. Uh, I am going to end it on one final thing, uh, and I want you to say it, and I can remind you of it. But um, you have a great quote, and I love this quote, and it's about doing the right thing. Oh you, yeah. You remember this? Yes. I'm going to fade it out to music as soon as you're done. Okay. Do you remember how to say it? Yes. You've said it enough to know. Yeah. Go for it. The key to life is do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And that doesn't mean doing the wrong thing when nobody's looking or only doing the right thing when somebody pays you. Right. But if you do the right thing every time because it's the right thing to do, it will pay off in ways you can't imagine. I love it. Wonderful. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, guys.